This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Um, friends, we are starting our brand new series, Planted for Splendor. And uh, you would have seen just uh, some, some of our, uh, you know, that's being shared, shared out on our WhatsApp groups and uh, on our Facebook page as well. And this series really is about what I believe, and I think as a preaching team and as an eldership team, we've been feeling like in this season, it's important for us to understand as believers, who are we supposed to be and how are we supposed to live? I mean, for some of us might say, well, Gareth, I already know that, you know. But I've just found so many times, I speak to, to people and they're like, oh, Gareth, I'm just trusting for the Lord to reveal His perfect will to me. I, I just want to know God's perfect will for my life. And, and then when I ask them a few questions, I realize that they, they forget some of the things that are actually revealed in, in Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans 12 starts off, it says, you know, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so that as you do, they present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. Because as you do that, as you pursue those things, laying down your life, you'll begin to know what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. So if you want to walk in the perfect will of God for your life as an individual, as, if as a church we want to walk in the perfect realities of what God has shown us, we need to give ourselves faithfully to the good and the pleasing will of God. And many Christians, and I mean I find myself in that same space from time to time, where we forget about just what it really means. Kind of the basics. Now, some of you are going, oh, there's another foundation thing. No, 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 no. This series is going to be helping us to discover how you and I can truly be planted for the display of His splendor. The reason why you and I have been saved, the reason why God came and why Jesus paid the ultimate price, why He's given birth to the church, next week is going to be uh, the, the day of Pentecost, why he sent his Holy Spirit, that you and I would have access to God's presence every single moment of the day, as we heard during our summit, that we would be able to enter into God's throne room to obtain mercy and to find grace. The reason why we can live from that space is because God's revealed those things to us. He's actually made it plain for us, but many believers do not give themselves faithfully to the things that God has already said, the good things and the pleasing things, and then they never find themselves actually walking out the perfect will of God. Because I've seen in my life, the moments I've, I've adjusted to some of the things that God clearly just says, do these things, prioritize these things. As I give myself faithfully to that, I look over my shoulder and I realize, wait a minute, I've been walking in God's perfect will for my life. I'm not pursuing the perfect will, I'm pursuing the good and the pleasing. And as I do that, God's perfect will unfolds for me. And so I want to ask you, what is the vision of your life? What is the picture of a preferred future? If I had to ask you about your Christian walk, even just your relationships, your finances, your job, some of the things, what, what picture comes to mind? Maybe I can ask you if, you, if, if I had to ask you, what is a picture or a vision of a healthy Christian life? Perhaps it looks like this. Maybe, Ains, if you can give me the, the, the little bonsai there and the bottle of water as well. Thank you so much, my lovely assistant here today. For some of us, this is the picture of our Christian life. I'm a tree. Yes, I'm planted. I'm rooted. I'm, uh, I'm pretty. 
but I'm living in a very nice, comfortable pot plant. Now, this is a bonsai tree. Now, those of you that understand bonsais, I mean, this is an art form in itself. I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, just by it, the, the definition of a bonsai is the art of growing ornamental, artificially dwarfed varieties of trees and shrubs in pots. Now, can I tell you that this tree in this pot looks like this, very nice, mini, beautifully done, but the way it can actually look, or should possibly, or the potential that's inside of this tree is actually this. Quickly show me the, show us that big, big picture there of the tree planted. Okay, you can't really see it there. You guys going to quickly get it for me? Is it there? There we go. That's the potential of this tree. A Japanese maple tree. That one is planted in a garden. There's a river. All sorts of varieties of plants. But now, you, if you look at that tree and you look at this one, the one that we see on the screen looks like it's got a few branches that are going all over the place. You know, nobody could really dictate. Its environment kind of dictated a few things. But if we look at this bonsai, you can, um, you can quickly show us back this. If we look at this bonsai, the point of this bonsai is that the person who grows it determines... All of it. And, and I, as the, as the person involved, can make sure that everything is perfect. I'm trimming it right. I'm bending the branches the way I want it. Which shape do I want it to take? Many Christians approach their lives like this. We say, I'm going to make sure that everything's perfect. Everything is in place. So therefore, I'm going to go find the perfect church. And when I feel like that church doesn't let me grow anymore, I'm just not growing yet. I'm just not being fed yet. Then, then it's just cool, man. Mobile. Here we go. I can go wherever I want to go. Because I'm determining the growth. I'm determining what I get in and what I put out. But as we've seen, friends, the potential of this plant is never reached fully. Now I want to ask you, and I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. As I've been, been preparing, I've been wrestling through this message because I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm like this. Because I want to look at my, my life and say, okay, let me just fix it here and sort this out and make that. I don't want to place myself in, a, in, a, in an environment where things are uncertain. But God says to us in, in, in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, and we've, Nadine actually read it this morning for us as well. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Or stand in the way of sinners, uh, in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. God's word. This is where we are blessed, when we delight in God's word. And who meditates on the Lord day and night. And then it says, that person is not like a bonsai tree. Planted in a, in a plant, perfect. No, that tree, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now friends, for us in this season, I believe God's wanting to show us and to maybe even help us to uproot ourselves from the pot plants, our Christian life, our church experience, our expression, from this manicured space, 
Because if this is where I'm living, I can see all the little things and I can also hide a couple of the realities. But when I'm planted in, in the wild, I mean, I can't choose my neighbors. I can't choose the other things that grow around me. But I am planted at a place next to the river, the river of the living water that flows. And we see that in Ezekiel and in Revelation. That river is actually a picture of the church. All sorts of plants and animals and, and things grow next to this river. And God wants you and I to be planted, not in our individual space, and say, well, I can control, but actually I'm going to plant myself in the river of God, a picture of His church, the local expression. Because it's easy for us to control things in here, but when we place ourselves next to the, the banks of, 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 of the river that's living, God begins to shape us and mold us and grow us. And we begin to be like these fruits, these trees that bear fruit in season. Now, our key passage for today's uh, message is found in Isaiah 61. Now, Isaiah 61 was a key passage that was given and spoken over us as a church from the beginning. And I want to encourage you, just like Zach shared with us last week, that you and I should continue to wage a good warfare with those prophetic words that God's spoken. And Isaiah 61 says the following, reading from verse 1. He says, the spirit of the living, of the sovereign God, Lord, is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our Lord. To comfort all who mourn. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be what? Like oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Who wants to glorify God with your life? All of us have that desire. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, there is a desire saying, Lord, I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. And as I yield myself to you and what you've revealed, my life begins to glorify you. As, as the age-old, uh, you know, Westminster Catechism says, you know, the chief end of man is to enjoy God and love Him forever. And for us, ultimately, we want to glorify God in every, every sense. Now, as I was studying this passage, these, this word instead jumped out at me. This word instead actually means there's an exchange that happens. And you and I need to realize that God wants to exchange the way that you and I move from the pot plant into a place of being planted next to the river is that we allow God to make the exchange in our lives. It says that instead of ashes, those ashes is a sign of the, you know, of disgrace, of pain, of great grief, immense disappointment. Anybody have some disappointments in your life? Anybody, some things that you've like? Instead of that, God gives us what? The crown. The crown of beauty. The picture that Isaiah has in his mind is the victor's crown. It's like those, those, those leaf crowns that have been, been twisted together. 
full of little flowers. And there's a beauty that God brings when we allow him to make that exchange. Instead of mourning, that mourning would mean, you know, there's, I don't know if you've ever cried so much that you can't cry anymore. But you've cried so much that you, your face starts to dry up. The skin is like hard. It's sort of, you're disfigured almost. And you feel like no, no matter how many times you wipe your face, it still feels like it's stuck there. All of us have gone through those times. And what I've seen is when we choose ourselves, to, <laughs> choose to be our, um, planted by that river, when we're surrounded by others, God comes and steps into that space of despair, of great anguish and pain, of crying. He comes and he actually gives us the oil of joy. That oil that comes, you know, it, it changes, it makes your whole face glow. Everyone's like, yo, man, you're looking, so, you're looking good. And it's, it's that exchange, isn't it, well, I'm going to put this thing on. It's not like makeup, just wash your face, you know. But actually, when we, when we find ourselves allowing God to make that exchange in our lives, we experience that beautiful expression. He also says that instead of a spirit of despair, that despair would be hopelessness. Anybody ever experienced that? Hopeless. A lack of strength. You almost have no strength. You just can't get up when you're in, this, when you're in that deep sense of despair and depression. Nothing can almost get you out of that. You don't want to leave the house when you feel like that. But God said, in a, in, instead of that, I'm going to give you the garment of praise. The garment of praise is for, for Isaiah. That picture is like a, a cloak you put on. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to go out. I'm facing the world. I'm able to face the world because God has taken my despair and he's given me a garment of praise. And I, I don't know where you are at and what you are experiencing. But on a daily basis, I've experienced, I've had to, I've got to drink from the well that does not run dry. I've got to choose to be planted by the river of living water. Because when I'm planted, I'm drawing from God's presence. I'm entering into His throne room to obtain mercy and to find grace. Then that exchange happens. It's, it's not something that is sort of, you know, out there airy-fairy. But actually, I, I've just seen how God transforms my life. As I do that. Now something we need to understand, and this is my, the title of today's message, is that, that you and I, we are planted for splendor because God has given us a shared vision. This is not the vision. A bonsai tree is not the, the purpose for your life. God wants you and I to be a big oak planted by the rivers of living water. But the way in which we experience that is we've got to see what God sees. We've got to experience what Jesus actually came to do. And that's what happens. This Isaiah 61 passage, Jesus actually quotes it in Luke chapter 4. And he says, the spirit of the living God or the sovereign God is upon me. He is talking about himself. Jesus is the one that comes to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To, to usher in the, the year of the Lord's favor. Every year for us as believers is the year of the Lord's favor. Every, every year. I know, you know, we have all go through moments. But I've just seen how when I am rooted in Christ, 
when my life is lived from that place, I'm, everything changes. And if, if Jesus' vision is to, to transform hearts and life, then, then you and I should probably take our cue from him. We should draw our vision from him. And for us as a church, corporately, City on Hill Church, our vision is we, we exist. We, this is what we want to see. We want to see uh, so that uh, cities would be transformed and nations would be discipled through Christ. The transformation of this city happens when you and I, as Christ ambassadors, understanding He is the one that makes the great exchange. He wants to exchange the brokenness in our cities, in our villages, in our homes, in our families. He wants us to be His agents that step in and say, Lord, we're going to see this city transformed. And, and that is not an, a pie in the sky, you know, every vision statement should make you go, okay, I don't know if that's ever going to really happen fully. That's a good vision statement. Because for as long as I guess this side of heaven, we're never going to see everything come back to whole, wholeness and what God has, has purposed. But for us as a church, as a body of believers, if City on Hill Church is your home, the place where you are rooted, if this is, if this is the place where the river of living water is flowing in your life and you're drawing from this place and this is an environment for you to grow, then this should be our end. This should be our desire. That, Lord, please, can we see our city transformed? And, Lord, then the way that had to happens is we disciple, we make disciples, we walk it out. We are on mission with Jesus together. We are yielding ourselves to His purposes and His plans. We are, as it says in, in Psalm 1, we are meditating on God's Word. We are building our lives upon what He has revealed. And so that exchange happens all the time. But you and I need to understand the exchange that that transformation of a city doesn't happen in our strength. What, what happened with Jesus? He is that, that kind of trade post. You know, in the old days, they used to have a trade post. place Everybody would bring their little goods and say, okay, I've got this little bit, and then I trade you with this. And we, we don't really have that anymore these days. But Jesus says, bring what you have, and let me exchange what you have for what, really, what you need. And we see how Jesus does that. He becomes that point of exchange. For us, the exchange, we want to see people, we want to see things go from darkness to light. We want to see things go from death to life. We want to see people transformed. We want to see from brokenness, brokenness to wholeness. Many of you sitting here, if you had to look over your shoulder, remember now, I was saying about the purposes of God. You came in here like, yes, I don't have a clue, but my life's a mess, but I'm going to plant myself. And as you planted yourself, you went from brokenness and God slowly but surely has been putting you back together again. And you look over your life, it's like, I can't believe my marriage is whole. My finances are in a better place. My relationships with my friends and my family is in, intact because I've yielded myself to the perfect will of God. I, I've, I wanted to yield myself to that. And we see how Jesus, when he encounters the Samaritan woman, he, he says to her, listen, I'm going to take your sin and shame and I'm going to exchange it for love and freedom. That's what Jesus does for us. And that's what we bring people to. We don't bring people to ourselves. We bring them to Jesus so that Jesus can do that. Perhaps maybe the Jairus' you know, daughter comes to him. Jesus, he's sick. Jesus says, well, I'm on my way. Halfway there, this lady interrupts them. It's too late. She's died. 
Jesus still comes in and he steps in. He exchanges death and despair. He exchanges for new life and joy. Friends, that's who Jesus is. He also comes in for the prodigal son. He says, I know you've, you've rejected me. I know you've squandered all that I've given you. But today, I'm welcoming you back in. I'm exchanging your shame. And I'm making you righteous again. I'm exchanging what you've squandered. And I'm actually restoring unto you more than what you had before. Because God loves us so much. And friends, we are God's kingdom agents then to do that. And as Christians, God doesn't want us to live here. He wants us to have big, big oaks of righteousness. I love this story of um, just a few weeks ago. We had uh, Coretta share with us just her, her story as a single mom coming into the life of our church, having to raise two young girls, and how she just so many times has said, yeah, the church came through. The church loved me. The church helped me. God transformed her life. And now her children are walking in the ways of the Lord. And they are a blessing to us. And God's continuing to... That's what God does when we choose to root ourselves. There's an exchange that keeps happening for us. I, and I, I want to ask you, do you have a desire to see that happening not only in your life, but also through your life? Because as I know is the case in Greta's life, she didn't just come in and say, yes, no, this is a blessed place for me. But she's been investing in other people. She's been loving because she was loved. She was, she loves. And so many times I've heard Christians say, you know, people in the church, oh, no, you know, where was the, the church when I was sick? Nobody came to visit me. Just this week, um, a young couple in our church, they had a baby two weeks ago. Baby's a bit sick at the moment. There's a, there's a, there's a community around them that's praying for them. And I want to ask you, are you in a community? Are you in a life group? Does someone actually know you or are you just sitting in a row every week? Because if you choose to only sit in a row every week, enjoy kind of a couple of aspects, but never choose to root yourself, can I say to you then this is what your life is like at the moment? God's got more for you. God wants us to be rooted in and grounded in love. He wants us to not have the perfect manicured life. He wants us to be rooted to, so that we would be able to bear fruit. Now, it's amazing for me to see in Isaiah chapter uh, 61 verse three, 3, it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Are you convinced that God is the one that plants you? Do you know that if you are here, even if you've been here for five minutes, or half an hour, some of you that are visiting us today for the first time, or you've been here, as Ains and I have been around since the beginning, are you rooted and are you allowing God to use you? But also, are you willing to receive from God within this, the soil of your heart? Jesus says in, um, in, in this parable in Matthew 13, he talks about the parable of the sower. And his seed, the seed of the word, God's, God's willingness to grow us and to expand us and to make us, take us from the pot plant into, into that spacious place. His desire, he is always wanting to create an environment for growth. But he says our hearts are like four different types of soil. 
We either like the part where there's almost no soil at all. And you are sitting here and you listen to the word and you're like, yes, that's amazing. But before you walk out the door, the enemy can come like the birds and steal because there's no substance. There's no, you haven't created space in your life to really receive what God has said. Perhaps your heart can be like the, the rocky soil, a little bit of soil. And it's almost like when we hear God's word, the way we can apply it sometimes is we can hear it and go, sure, yes, that's amazing. Wow, man, I need to do something about it. It's like a New Year's res- resolution, you know? <laughs> it feels like that. Just that was truth. That was truth, but I don't do anything about it. It springs up and then withers because there's no way for it to really take hold. And then there are also obviously those things. Those seeds that sometimes in our lives we're juggling. It's like the sown amongst the weeds. And I'm constantly at war. What am I going to choose? What am I going to prioritize? You know, it's, oh, but I mean, I know, I know it's, you know, it's Sunday, but oh, it's been a long day, you know. Lots happening this weekend. It's cold. Or whatever excuses we might have. I can't go to prayer meeting. Because, you know, it's Tuesday night. And, you know, it's like it's the, tomorrow's school. And I don't know. I, I can't get involved. I can't serve because, you know, I've got to be here early. Once a month. It's hard for me to do that. The weeds of those excuses choke out the life that God wants you and I to experience. But we can be, as Jesus says, fruitful soil that receives God's word with badness. And then that same fruit yields a multiplied harvest. God says that it multiplies 30, 60, and 100 fold. God doesn't want us to live in the pot plants, friends. He wants us to be planted so that we can bear fruit. So that others can come in and say, yo, there's, there's a place of shade for me. There's a, a moment of exchange that can happen. I'm not going to allow the cares of this world, the hardness of my heart, the clash of my schedule to keep me from really being rooted. And, and that's just, it's a choice, friends. God wants you to grow. And he will make sure that you, if you choose to, that the environment you're in helps you to grow. And as a church, this is our commitment. I mean, I, I spend many, many times with our leaders. And the thing we're always talking about is how can we create an environment for people to grow? But what I've realized is some people just never grow. It's like, a, you know, can I play some, some Bach to my plant, you know, like can I get it to grow a bit more? Can I invite, how can I, because what we do with our bonsai is like, where's the environment? Oh, it needs some sunlight. Let me put in the sunlight, the birds. Okay, no, now, now it needs, a, oh, this teaching. Oh, that YouTube channel. Oh, this conference. I'm going to run around all over the place. So many Christians live their lives like this. But friends, if you and I are convinced, we trust God. Say, Lord, okay, if you're going to plant me, then I know that sometimes the church is going to preach on, or we're going to teach on, or we're going to have moments, but that I might feel like, mm, I already have that down. But you know what's the true mark of maturity? I don't sit here going, ah, I've heard that before. I'm sitting here going, Lord, how can I, what adjustments do I still need to make 
But secondly, the true mark of maturity is actually, who am I encouraging? Who can I go and teach? If I'm a disciple who makes disciples, it means that I'm a follower. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So therefore, my relationship with God needs to benefit other people. And I use every moment, every opportunity to bring about that transformation, that change. And I, I'm just excited about that. I'm, I wonder if perhaps, and I know I'm going to step on a few toes. If I haven't already, I'm, here it comes, okay? <laughs> there are some markers for spiritual growth that I, I want to share with you. Some things that if you had to, you know, someone asked, like, what's a marker? Is it like a measuring stick? I think the way I see it is like, if you've got a plot of land, you know, in the old days, they used to plot it out, mark it out. And we have been in this, this series, God's been saying, we want to stretch out, so we're going to move the markers. That's what we want to do. This is what the markers, it's not about an achievement. It's not about saying, well, I better than, but actually in my life, am I growing? And I want to ask you, are you growing in the following ones? Seven spiritual growth, markers for spiritual growth. The first one is Bible engagement. Are you engaging as regularly as you can? For some of us, you're driving often in the car. Great opportunity to be listening to God's Word. All your Bibles available. Am I reading God's Word on a regular basis? And am I not just reading it, but am I allowing it to read me a little bit too? Because that's where growth happens. Because I see yo, 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 yo. It's like a mirror. You know, you look at the mirror. The reason why you look in the mirror is to make sure that things are in place. God's Word is like a mirror. I look into it, and it helps me see. The second marker is passionate prayer. Passionate prayer. Now, some of us, when you hear that, you're thinking, oh, Gareth, so that doesn't mean I'm, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. No, that's not what I mean. Passionate prayer is saying that I am passionate about prayer, i.e., I actually think it's really important. Have you ever met someone that's passionate about something? What happens? They can't stop talking about it. They can't stop talking. Ah, yes, man, I was speaking to the Lord. And there are many different ways. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit more of an introvert. I'm not that excited about stuff half the time. <laughs> Maybe doesn't, you don't think so, but when my wife and I are praying, and I mean, our kids, it's amazing. They, you know, we pray, and then it's like, thank you, Lord. Okay, can we maybe not do the rhyme thing? Can we maybe just pray properly? Because <laughs> even us have our little rhymes. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. But actually passionate. Listen, I'm speaking to the creator of all the universe. And Lord, this, these seven markers, are, it's actually about the, how am I tending the soil of my heart? And prayer, friends, is not just private. It's also corporate. It's also together. And I want to ask you, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, are you praying with other believers? I do, when, you know, at work beforehand, we put these... I'm talking about as the church, are we praying? Years ago, um, Ashley Bell was asked, you know, he, he, he's a church in Johannesburg, over 1,000 plus, two, almost 2,000 people in their church, pumping, lacquer. So he's at a conference, and some guy asks him, you know, he's sort of sussing who's got the biggest church. I need to go connect with those guys. 
So he comes and actually spots him coming, you know. So he, he says to Ashley, hey, man, how's it going? So first question, how big is your church? So Ashley's like, oh, it's about 200 people. And one of his elders or pastors with him, like, he's lying to the guy, man. It's like, no, that's how many people come to the prayer meeting on, on Tuesday night. If we are rooted, then it means we are prioritizing praying together. And in our church, it's really easy. Once a month, you get to serve. Once a month, you get to pray. Can I ask you to join us to pray? Wholehearted worship is the third one. In everything, I'm, I'm a, am I expressing worship to God? Remember Romans 12? I am a, a living sacrifice, laying down my life, willingly, continuously, on the altar of God, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm worshiping you. I'm worshiping you. And it's not just a song I sing, but is it a hard attitude, wholeheartedly abandoned to God? The fourth one, humble service. Serving people in whatever capacity, opportunity. I'm saying I'm serving my wife. I'm serving my kids. I'm serving in the church. I'm serving in society. I'm not thinking of myself more highly. I'm not so consumed about how I'm looking. But I'm actually saying, Lord, I've got some fruit. I want to share it with others. I've got some gifts. The fifth one, joyful generosity. When I'm giving... My time, treasures, and talents. Am I joyful in it? Or am I doing it begrudgingly? How, how are you measuring? Where's your marker at at the moment? Consistent community. I just mentioned that. Community together. You're not just sitting in a row, but at some point you're sitting in a circle. Someone knows your name. Someone knows what you're going through. Someone has an opportunity to look you in the eye and say, Hey man, I, I can see you're not doing so well. Oh, yes, you're doing so less joyful. Less, I'm overjoyed with, by what you're experiencing. And I'm consistently giving myself to that. And lastly, that there is organic outreach that happens. These are things that you and I can do personally. And, and I believe God wants us to cultivate that all the time. Am I shifting the markers in my life? Am I expanding? Am I stretching out? And as a church, we have a real... It's very easy. There's four things we, we ask every person. If you want to drink from the, the living water, there's four things. Really simple. That we do, how we express being part of, 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 of this family. The first thing is we celebrate. Or we gather. It's another way of saying it. And, and remember, our goal, our purpose as a church is we want to be a New Testament expression. So in other words, whatever I see in the Bible is what I'm going to live Whatever I see God revealing, I want to express that. Acts chapter 2 verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, I know there's a lot of people here today that, um, you know, you were here already. So, well done for being here. I shouldn't actually congratulate you. It's just like, you're a Christian. This is what Christians do. My kids ask me all the time when we're on holiday, Why are we going to church? We're on holiday. Like, well, we're Christians, so we go on, I always find a church to go to, because I enjoy God speaking to me, I'm learning, it's lovely. And my kids often, they're like, yes, I want to go back to that, that's, that they've, got, they've got the cool kids ministry. And I'm like, why, what was it? No, no, I don't know. They had a mascot or something. But we gather, that's what believers do. We gather together. The second thing we do is community. We grow together. That is where growth happens. 
Because last time I checked, I only grow when I have someone that helps me see, mm, I'm not quite like Jesus yet. And that only happens when I listen to someone else saying, yes, this is what God's revealed. And I go, yo, man, I have a, yes, that's great. I need to hear that. But also I realize, yes, you've disappointed me now. Wow, yo, forgiveness. Over looking at offense, loving, serving, caring for one another, community happening. We see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted one another. No, no, one, themselves. If you and I are disciples, if we are followers of Christ, that is what we do. We devote ourselves to community, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, the apostles' teaching, and to prayer. And it says, when we do that, and this is the beauty for me, and this is why it's so important for you and I to be connected in community, is that as we do that, as we live this way, it says in verse um, uh, 47 of, of chapter 2 of Acts, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daddy Daniel said it was more, it's more important what you get saved out of, or into, than what you get saved out of. What does that mean? Many of us have, are consumed with the things we, we did in our past. But then we can get saved into a thinking that says, I just need to sit in a row. Or a, or a thinking that says, I've got, I've got to earn my salvation. It's works, 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 works. I've got to work at it. And I don't want you to hear these seven growth markers. is something that you've got to now earn. God's, it's actually, you no know, Lord, I'm going to access I'm going to position my heart. And so for us as a church, we want to have people get saved into a community of people that grow together. And we prioritize, we give ourselves, we devote ourselves to these things. And when we do these things, friends, I believe God will begin to, we're going to see God adding to our number daily those who are being saved. The, the third one is Generosity. We are a, a, a people that give. So remember, we, we gather, we grow, we give. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 3 says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of severe trial. Anybody under severe trial? Just check the petrol price. Interest rates. Yeah, things are tight. Where's our generosity? In the midst of severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty. Anybody in extreme poverty right here? I don't think so. If you, you got here today, I'm pretty sure you, you have access to some resources. It says, within ex, uh, their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. That's what New Testament believers do, friends. Not under compulsion, but because we are convinced that in God, He is our source. We're going to draw from the well that does not run dry. He is our provider. He is the one who sustains us. And we are going to be wise in how we steward that. And lastly is outreach. We go together. So we gather, we grow, we give, and we go. We gather we grow, we give, and we go. <laughs> Ooh, say it again. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, verse 4. That's our passage. Just, I mean, I love this. It says, 
Those who had been scattered, this is disciples. What did, what did the disciples do? They preached the word wherever they went. Friends, you and I don't have to go on outreaches even though we do go on outreaches. And the outreaches are not the only places when God uses us. I love this picture, this picture of, of these disciples going through. It's like anybody, um, I, I won't say enjoy, but anybody experienced some gossip from time to time. You know, what's, what's gossip? Ooh, did you hear? Huh? Did you hear? Oh, this, I heard so-and-so. What the disciples did is, is they gossiped the gospel. <laughs> Wherever they went, it's like, yes, did you hear? Did you hear? There's a Savior who loves you. Did, did you see what God did in my life? Sure, I heard this thing. I, I, I'm amazed because you and I are not pot plants. We're rooted. Every moment of the day is an opportunity for us to share the gospel with others. And it doesn't have to be that far away place, even though we do go there. But I believe God wants us to see. If we want to see us being as a church, as a people, individually and corporately, like an oak of righteousness, a big tree where many, many birds and animals can find a place to rest, shade for, it, for them, for people to be restored and refreshed. Friends, and then we need to just give ourselves to these things. Give yourself to the good and the pleasing will of God, my friends, and we're going to experience the perfect will of God unfolding in our lives. Just as I close, I, I want to ask you, perhaps you're here today, and, um, and you, you are far from God. You, you haven't experienced that exchange. You haven't come to experience Jesus as the one who exchanges your sin your struggle, you realize that you are not rooted. You're not, even, you, you, you're not even like a healthy looking tree. You're actually withering at the moment. I've got news for you, friends. You can look to Christ today and you can root yourself on the rock of Christ. And God can exchange your sin for righteousness. He can make you whole, he can wipe your tears, and he can bring you into a place from despair into joy. And I know for some of us, you're like, oh, well, Gareth, I, I'm really not doing that bad. I'm okay. I want to ask you, like, what type of life do you want to live? Do you want to live a life for yourself? Because I don't know, last time I checked, the more I, I live for myself, the less I experience joy and peace and life. And there's a life that God has that he wants us to live and access that is powerful. And if that's you today, I, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ, to make him Lord of your life. In other words, what that means is I'm saying I don't want to live for myself anymore. And often we hear the gospel preached, and what we think it, it means is, oh, Jesus is going to, my cosmic Gina, he's going to now sort out my problems for me. He will. But he wants to ask you, what is the condition of your heart? What's the soil of your heart like? Because you can receive the word of God today and feel, oh, I want to change. But actually, you can walk out here and forget about it. The cares of this world can choke it. But God wants you to be rooted in his love and, and care and his salvation today. And if that's you today, I want to ask you to be bold and to stand where you are. In front of everybody. Because God, Jesus says, 
if, if anyone would acknowledge me before, the, uh, before men, I will acknowledge them before the Father. If that's you today, can I ask you to, to stand? I would love to just pray with you. I know it's a big, bold step, and it, and it might feel very uncomfortable. But I can tell you, Jesus was very uncomfortable on the cross when he died for your sins. If that's you today, can I ask you to, to stand? Thank you so much for those, those guys that are standing. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask our, our, our team, so some of our leaders, just to go and stand with some of these people that have taken this brave step, just to pray with them, just to put a hand on a shoulder. Some of our leaders quickly go out there. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Friends, can we pray with, with these wonderful individuals that today are being transferred from darkness into light, a new life starting for them. Father, we thank you for these beautiful men and women, Lord. Lord, we pray for them today, and we thank you for the decision they've made. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would, that they would experience that exchange, that they would see your life and your love being poured out into them. And today, as a community, Lord, we, we, we embrace them. We receive them into your kingdom. Lord. Thank you, Father, that they're no longer living for themselves, but they're now living for you. Just enfold them with your love. Those of you that are standing with them, just continue to minister to them. And as you wrap up, we'd love to encourage you just to take them through to the prayer room. Just to, we wanted to share a quick reality just to help you understand exactly what's happened to you. But for the rest of us, friends, I want to ask you, where are you rooted? What is your vision for your life? Do you want to live a perfect manicured life? On your terms, Christianity, or do you want to be planted for splendor, for the display of His glory? If you want to be planted for Him, can I ask you to stand with me as I pray for us? Lord, I thank you that you are at work in our church, Lord. Lord, I thank you for men and women that are hungry for you, Lord. Men and women that are willing to, to stretch out those markers in their lives, Lord. Men and women that are willing to prioritize prayer and, and devotion to your word and, and fellowship with one another and breaking of bread, Lord. Gathering together, growing together, giving together, and going together, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are building a glorious church that no man can take glory for, Lord. No one person can say, oh, that's amazing. You've done it all. Lord, it's, we are coming again to you, Jesus. I pray that you'd make that exchange in our hearts today. That for some of us, we know our hearts have been the rocky soil. We've not created enough space and room for you in our lives. Lord. For others of us, we've allowed the cares of this world and schedules and things to come in the way of us truly experiencing the life that you have for us, the life that bears fruit and multiplies. Anoint us, Holy Spirit. Make us one with you, Father, and one with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. 
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.